Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Alex. And this week it is us in the studio. We have an empty seat. We tried very hard to fill it, but we were not able to. We wished very much to highlight um, a First Nations voice and presence on our show this week. And I've, as a result, I have a whole bunch of people signed up for shows over the next <laughs> month or two, but we couldn't manage to get somebody into the seat today. Um, today, we wanted to do it because yesterday was Canada's National Indigenous Peoples Day. And it was a day of celebrations is extending out into this weekend. Many of my friends um, that I consider to be family that are of First Nations um, background, they are out celebrating their culture, connecting together and Yay! They should be doing this. Mm -hmm. And it's probably more exciting than sitting in a chair in the studio with us right now. Oh, yeah. They're they're doing their thing. (laughs) Yeah. But we are still going to take some time to go into the things that we really wanted to take time to honor and to celebrate um, today. So... Uh, with that in mind, I want to start with our territorial acknowledgement, which we usually do do at some point in the show. But today we're starting with that at the beginning for most. So we broadcast from unceded Coast Salish territory in Burnaby, B.C. that belongs to this Musqueam, the Slavish, and the, uh, sorry, the Salish and the Slavitooth nations. And we say these things, I don't know, listeners, you may not have heard land acknowledgements all the time. It's something that um, within the work that I do has become very common practice. I notice, especially within a lot of nonprofit, um, especially in the Vancouver area, we do land acknowledgements. But I don't know how common it is outside of Vancouver. Um, You know, into the smaller communities, I know sometimes I've gone into them and, and land acknowledgements are not done. But there's a reason why we do that, um, those of us who do do it. And uh, I'd be happy to bring you into the loop, just in case you don't know why we do it. Tell us all about it, (laughs) because I think this is one of those things where we say it because it's something that's expected in certain environments, but we don't always know the whole story behind it, or even part of the story behind it. Yeah, even just taking time with the language that's often used to explain why why are we doing that. So a land acknowledgement is starting... Point, the reason that it's done is to to take stock of where we are. You know, when we're, when we're doing a thing, we're here to do a workshop, we're here to do learning, we're here to talk uh, about something, whatever. It's actually acknowledging that we, we are doing this in this physical space here right now. And it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a grounding moment to, to, a, to remember, uh, to remember the land, to remember, to remember where we stand, where we are, and how did we get to be here? which is the, that's the important part. How did we get to be here? My voice is a settler voice. And when I say I am a settler, I am acknowledging the fact that my family's history in this lands uh, is more recent. And I am actually very recent to this land. I was born in England and I came over. My mother is American, so she's got a longer lineage uh, up through Alaska 
her side of the family comes from. My father is British through and through, eons down down the lane. Mm. Um, but I am a settler, and a settler refers to anybody who has come onto a land that was not their original land. Uh, and by original, we mean you know you have historical roots, you know, in a different nation. And the land, the only people who cannot be called settlers in Canada are our Indigenous peoples, our First Nations. Uh, not our First Nations, please excuse me for saying that, the First Nations of this land, the Inuit people of this land. And they, this is their land. I, I have adored hearing the new stuff that's coming out in the news now where they found a village, the, the archaeological remains of a village out, uh, I think it's on Victoria Island. And I think there are others up along the coast near Haida Gwaii where they've got some archaeological Victoria remains. Victoria Island or Vancouver Island? Ah, thank you. I always get that mixed Vancouver up. Island. Vancouver yeah. Island where yeah. Victoria lives. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. That is 30,000 years old. They've been able to do the carbon testing and it's 30,000 years old. It's, it's the evidence yeah. of what the First Nations have been speaking of, that we have been here forever. <laughs> we are one with this land. Yeah. So when we do a territorial acknowledgement, that's what we're acknowledging. That this land uh, that we are on has been inhabited for thousands and thousands of years by the nations whose names we now acknowledge. You know, here it's the Musqueam, the Salish, the Tsleil-Waututh nations mm -hmm. in this general area. And another thing that we often say, especially if you're from BC, when we do a land acknowledgement, we say it's unceded. And that's an, a very important word. <clears throat> do you know what that word means, Luca? Yeah, it means they didn't give it up voluntarily. Yeah. And well, and also that it actually hasn't been given up. Yes. Yeah. Um, there it was, was taken. No, there was no treaty signed um, by the BC, the various different nations within BC. They actually did not sign a document that gave the land over to the Canadian government. Mm. But we're certainly building on it mm -hmm. and living on it. Mm. And so this is an acknowledgement that actually it really doesn't belong to us. <laughs> we may have our property documents and paid money, but this land was not ceded. It was mm -hmm. occupied and lived on and mm -hmm. being har um, um, being nurtured and taken care of um, long before we got here. And it was never said, well, okay, you can have it. That was not a thing. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and taking time to do the land acknowledgement as well is, is a moment of grounding in the fact that we do not have a good history as the colonial history of... of settlers coming into this land, taking up space, taking resources, taking away from those who lived here, even taking their lives away, taking their livelihoods away. And then imposing their culture. Imposing our culture, imposing... Their culture, their language, their religion, their everything. And it wasn't just an introduction of an alternate, of, you know, a different culture. It was an active dismantling mm. of the cultures of the peoples here. And... And we have a terrible legacy. Um, we, I've been, it's been much in the news right now about uh, uh, the in the U.S. the border camps where the children have been separated from their parents and the outcry and the outrage over that. And as Canadians, we need to look at our own belly buttons for a minute mm -hmm. to acknowledge that we did this. We really did this. It wasn't immigrants that were coming in. 
no. We were the immigrants, yeah. but we took children, and it's still happening. The number of yeah. children in foster care in Canada that are of First Nations background is staggering. They make up a massive percentage of the number of children in foster homes. The family breakups are still happening, and uh, we and have been put into homes that are not there. That not are First not Nations, there in First Nations culture, yeah, or language, yeah. And um, I think we've all, many of us, have heard the stories in the news just to acknowledge even that the foster care system is is a broken system. It's uh, it, there are many broken young adults that emerge out of this. It is it's not really well designed for the healing of what was broken. It tends to compound. Um, and it's in different ways, perhaps. So I feel like I just hit boom, 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 tops of massive waves there. There are such oh, big and, issues. And every one of those could have 10 shows and, and not they do deserve, it justice. They deserve to be explored. Yeah. Yeah. By beginning with a land acknowledgement, we are acknowledging that as settlers, we are here on First Nations land. We thank you. We thank you. I'm yeah. happy to be here, and I thank you for the welcome that so yeah. many nations have, have given, so many um, small communities where I've, where I've gone in to, to participate alongside yeah. you in events. And the graciousness. The graciousness and the welcoming. we received. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I speak to the settler voices um, now as well that I think we all have... We have so much work to do. I, I'm, I love seeing all of the people that are stepping up to the plate. I am also learning. I, am, I feel like I'm a, a, a toddler in this area. Uh, I'm making yeah, and so if first, you're a toddler, I'm an infant. I'm so, making first yeah. steps, and um, there's so, so much more to be done. And I look forward to seeing what that looks like Oh yeah. as we uncover what does reconciliation look like. What does healing look like? What is my role that I can play within that? Um, and centering on the First Nations voices. I look forward to the people who will be coming into the studio who will tell us where they're, they are leading action, where we can join them mm -hmm. in their powerful actions that they are taking. But I got so excited about the fact that we were going to be taking a whole hour just to talk about all kinds of things. <laughs> I ended up grabbing a piece of paper. I have scribbled down so many artists. We, we may have more than one show here. Uh, so many artists that I would love to give some airtime to. So many. Uh, some of them are musicians. I mean, that would be the ones that will be playing some songs. But um, a physical artists, too. You know, mm -hmm. making beautiful, powerful works of art. Storytellers. Storytellers. Um, also, just uh, some of the the media that has been coming out, um, some conversations that are big um, around learning points that we're doing as a society right now. I'd love to kind of touch on 101 different things. Um, <clears throat> but why don't we start by taking a break with one of the songs? Because I have so many of them that I want to make and sure we, we, we get, get them get all them. in. Today. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I'd like to start with uh, Tanya Tagak. So Tanya Tagak is an Inuit throat singer. Um, who also does uh, like pop and and rock and it's all mixed in and oh man does she have powerful things that she is saying uh, if you have not listened yet to any of Tanya Tagak's um, albums 
go there. Amazing. So I've grabbed one song. Uh, I can't even say it's my favorite but, uh, necessarily, but they're all. That oh, that sounded well, like I was disparaging unique. it. No, that's yeah. not what I mean. Yeah. What I mean is. Um, I just grabbed one. We're playing because I really it could be anything and it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. So this one is called Uja. So let's take a listen to this and then we'll come back and it's probably going to make me uh, want to talk about the Inuit since I was recently up there and this makes me think of them. So let's listen to Tanya Tagak, Uja. We'll be, we will be back in the studio in just a few minutes. You're listening to CJSF 90.1 FM. Welcome back to Essential Conversations, which is broadcasting from unceded Coast Salish territory in Burnaby, B.C., occupied by the Musqueam, the Salish, Salish and the Tsleil-Waututh. I keep combining the last two <laughs> into one <laughs> word. <laughs> uh, we just listened to Tanya Tagak, uh, her song Uja, and we could hear some amazing throat singing in that song. It's so... They're completely unique. Visceral. Sound. Yeah something awesome and uh, um, 
that brought us directly into talking about uh, the Inuit, um, which is their word for the people. So when we say mm-hmm. the Inuit people, we're saying the people people. So we really just need to say the Inuit. <laughs> we're massacring the language. Yes. <laughs> the people of the land. And um, Luca was mentioning while we were listening to Tanya Tagak's song that it would be a good idea to send out or to acknowledge where, w- what region are we speaking about when we talk about that. Um, <clears throat> so the Inuit live uh, in the north far, far north of Canada, uh, around the Arctic Circle region. I'm going to actually tweet out a link now that it it shows a map of the areas and the different. So there's Nunavut and Nunavik and... uh, I'm going to massacre the other two names, so I'm not even going to attempt it without it in front of me. Um, so there's four different um, lands that they identify within their areas as well, and so it's showing which areas those are. But this is these are the people who who we used to, with lack of understanding and education, refer to as Eskimos. So when we think of igloos, this is this is their traditional housing through the winter. Uh, camps or tents would be more ooh, traditional in the summer. In summer. My knowledge is very limited. I have had three wonderful visits up into Inuit land um, and very meaningful visits. And I've actually brought in some show and tell today that is from those communities. Um, <coughs> I have a book of uh, stories that have been told by their elders, short little stories that have been written within their own native tongue, but then also translated into English so that I can read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I have some flashcards that have been produced so that you can learn the language. So the two that are visible just from the front, we've got a flame and we've got a tooth. And so they're teaching <laughs> how to how to say it's these vocabulary. things. Vocabulary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And of course, language is one of the biggest things that is, boy, the colonialist uh, settlers, we did a good job in the horrible work of dismantling these elements of culture. And I want to acknowledge and give a shout out to the tenacity of the First Nations peoples and the Inuit for holding tight whatever way you could to your traditions, to your language, to your beliefs in the face of deliberate attempts to destroy it. Yeah. And and to our great benefit that they that you, they have held on to this because there are so many elements of the uh, of these traditions that have enriched our culture in ways that are so um, part, so much a part of our language and our being now that we don't even think about it. Um, the the even the cigarettes that we smoke ca- came from the er- that or- original piece of smoking the peace pipe and communing with one another. Yeah. Um, but we you know the idea of a potlatch and um, coming together to to share food. Um, we we do all of these things and we use these words without in, in many cases without knowing where they come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and because it's um, their history is largely a, an oral history, um, we don't have a book that we can go to where it's all written down for us. So um, it comes through language, right? It comes through our sitting and speaking with one another. So I am so glad that all of these 
peoples are willing to still talk to us. <laughs> right? Because they have every reason not <laughs> right? to. Oh, my gosh. Right? So I feel like i got to throw in a couple of stories here. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not too sure, and I'm not able to find my picture now. I've downloaded it twice, and it's not showing up here for me to be able to tweet out. So I'm going to have yeah. to take care of that on another sound break. Sorry, folks. Yeah. Um, by the way, I will be tweeting out as many links as I can during the show to a bunch of different things we're referring to. So if you'd like to find them, you can come and follow us at EssentialConv. That's Essence, T-I-A-L-C-O-N-V. And um, so I just sent out a link to the Tanya Tagak video that we just listened to. And um, I will be sending out you know, links to maps and things like this. So a couple of stories when it comes to oral history, oral traditions, which is the way through which uh, faith, beliefs, uh, healing information, historical information, family lineage, I mean, everything. Our libraries were handed down through oral histories amongst First Nation peoples. This was their treasure trove of, of, of wisdom and information, facts. This was how they passed it forward. There was a really strict methodology. They would be repeated and repeated and repeated yeah. and, and would be listened to by elders and who would correct the younger ones. You know, you know you're not telling it right, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because this was how precious it was. And yet, here come the colonialists. We don't do things that way. We think, oh, well, if it's just a story, because we don't take our stories that seriously, then there's bound to be errors. There's bound to be problems. So the first story regarding the Franklin Expedition. Um, what do you know of the Franklin Expedition? Not very much. Um, so, we didn't learn very much about it in school, really. Mm, and I can't remember where I first... Well, it might have been in Canadian school, I guess, that I would have learned about it. So I this learned was, about it in school, yeah, but, this were, but not much about it. Yeah, These were mm. explorers who came from England, I believe, who were trying to find a Northwest Passage. They wanted to find a way to, to get around North America... Yeah, because uh, they wanted the to get at the spices. <laughs> <laughs> they really wanted to get at the spices. So <clears throat> they went through around. They were heading through the things, and they got, and they were never heard from again. Is the bottom line? They, these two, yeah, they two, disappeared. two ships, the HMS Terror and the H. Uh, I can't remember the other one now. I'm blanking on it. Um, they they were they were lost. Nobody knew where they were. When I first went to uh, to uh, Nunavut. Uh, couple of years ago, uh, I stopped over in a little place called Joe Haven, spelled G-J-O-A, Haven. And it's an island. (coughs) And maybe two years before then, they had discovered some wreckage of one of these ships in that area. Mm. So I was fascinated. I'd been fascinated by the story. This is the same story that shows up in in, uh, Nicolas Cage's movie, The I'm blanking on that name. Mm-hmm. Um, American Treasure, that's it. Mm-hmm. Where one of the first steps is he's going to go find something that was inside one of those ships, and somehow he's able to find this ship that at that point when the movie was made had never been discovered, but he finds it. <laughs> then they fight with the bad guys over getting mm-hmm. the thing or whatever. But they, it really had been found near this place near Joe Haven. There were signs up in the airport saying, don't go into this area of the waters. These are protected for specific reasons. Well, when I ended up back in BC, I found out that the same day that I was traveling through Joe Haven, they found the second ship that oh, wow, very day. I didn't day. realize they'd found the second one. Yes. And it, they found it the day that I was <laughs> in that airport in the same area. <laughs> I didn't know until I got back here and then the yep. news stories came out. I was like, but I was just there. That's amazing. Here's the thing. We would have found the ships a whole lot faster if we would have asked, first of all, asked the locals and listened 
to the stories that they were telling because they had interacted with the men who had fled the ships who were locked in ice and had been for so many months. It was one of those... Uh, they they had oral history about that winter as basically uh, or sorry that summer the ice never broke up, mm. and so they it never the ships were never able to get free. It was just a really cold, cold summer. The ice never broke up, and, and they they, they interacted with supplies. the men. Yeah, and for, I think there were stories. That I'm not going to remember the stories accurately. I haven't heard mm. enough about them, so I'm mm. I'm not even going to go farther than that. I don't want to repeat them incorrectly. Mm. Um, but they had the information. We weren't asking or listening. Maybe they maybe they heard that there were stories, but they didn't believe them. So we didn't follow the clues that they were giving us. Well, part of taking someone else's culture away and disregarding it completely is minimizing the value and the intelligence and the um, resources of the people. Yeah. And so if you are dismissing them like that, you're not likely to think that they have anything valuable yeah. uh, that, that you might be missing out on. Yeah. Okay, time for another song. <clears throat> All <laughs> right. Time is already flying. It's Here like 25 go. minutes after the hour. Um, <clears throat> so anybody who's joining us just now, this is Luca and Rebecca with Essential Conversations. And we are focusing today um, on the First Nations uh, and Inuit of this land and uh, telling what we have learned and and sharing and are beautiful, continuing to learn yeah sharing yeah. some of the 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 art the works the connections um so that uh people who are listening if they are settlers and they uh, if they are um, settlers meaning they are not first nations or inuit people mm-hmm. then um this may give you some new things to go and explore so mm-hmm. right now i'd like to play a song it's by a uh, diet it's called we got a story diet is uh from the yukon I believe she is a Kluani First Nation uh, lady, and um, I met her sister a number of years ago, and I keep seeing Diet's work coming out, and I have not yet been able to see her in person. So let's have a listen to Diet's song, We Got a Story. We will rejoin um, in the studio in just a minute. Everything fast Always afraid of a moment 
a story, you and I. Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We were just listening to Diet singing We Got a Story. And <coughs> Diet, as I was saying, is from up in the Yukon. I think uh, she may be from Burwash territory and is of Kluani First Nations background. Um, and I had a second story I wanted to tell that related to the histories of uh, the oral traditions, oral histories of the people. Mm-hmm. I took a trip down to New Mexico last fall and I went to visit a place called Acoma. Sky City. Uh, it's called a coma, and I, I believe that translates to Sky City. So this was a city that was built on top of a mesa. And there are uh, the oral history of this region was that the um, people of this of this city originally lived on a separate mesa, which was these are the big rocks that stick up, right, where the the water eroded all around them. But these were left. It was um, like they were the high. original islands, but the water level went down and down yeah, and down and down. Something like that, yeah, and eroded. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a second one that was nearby, a big another big mesa, and the the oral history was that the people originally lived on that one called the Enchanted Mesa, but that uh, there had been um, uh, like a natural disaster, a big storm, a lightning bolt, something had destroyed their method of uh, getting up to the top of the mesa. And so they had had to move. There's much more to the story than that. They'd had to move over to where they built a new city, which is Acoma, which still is about a millennia old. <laughs> so this oral history is going back even farther. So when the Spanish and um, other colonialists came along and they were listening to the stories and I think we're, we're talking about in about the 1800s this area. Spanish had already come and done up a bunch of stuff by then. Horrible things. But there were archaeologists who were showing up in the area and there's this cocky archaeologist who listened to this oral history and then decided that he was going to uh, find out the truth once and for all about this and so he found a way to get himself up onto the enchanted mesa which was quite an ordeal I understand and uh, walked around came back down and said this is a nice romantic story but nobody has ever I'm, I'm doing a Trump voice I just realized this is a nice romantic story nobody's ever lived up there well a couple decades later another dude said, I don't know, I'm going to go and check it out too. So he got himself up on top and (laughs) came back down and said, well, if you're an archaeologist, you might want to look in the cracks. (laughs) Because within all of the cracks of the earth, he could find corn hulls and beads and evidence that people had lived there. I mean, the buildings do get destroyed over time. But in the cracks... You find the evidence. And when I heard that, I cheered. I just, yes. you know, yes. 
the stories. It's another way of looking at things, right? Truths. Yeah. And if yeah. we would just listen. And this is a theme that is coming out even now in the present, not just about listen and trust and believe and, and follow as evidence these oral histories, but the present stories for what they are experiencing now and what they are telling us is hurting and why it's hurting and where does the healing need to happen and how does the healing need to happen. We must listen to these voices. And... Um, they they say different things in different communities, and that's okay because everybody knows their own community and their own people. But there's also best. incredible amounts of overlap between all the communities. Like yeah. there is a universal truth in there, in amongst all of the differences amongst communities. There's some commonalities as well. Yeah. Um, for anybody who hasn't done, uh, hasn't had the chance to do some really deep connecting other than just the news around our history, our legacy of colonialization, residential schools specifically, and the impacts that, of what that has done. There's a couple of, of uh, movies that I'd really like to recommend that have been produced by First Nations people and that tell their firsthand stories. The first one that I watched a number of years ago is called We Were Children. And it's a number of survivors of residential schools telling their firsthand accounts, their memories, which are then enacted as well, um, so that you can witness it. There is something very important about witnessing what happened when we were all looking the other way. Not all, because some were participating. Yes. But, you know, what was going on that we may not have been aware of? We, we need to steal ourselves because they're carrying this on our own, on their own. If we yeah. don't witness this alongside them. Well, and it's our history, too, because it is it. our history. And I so, think, yeah, how do know. we heal it if we do not acknowledge it? So I'm going yeah. to send out a link to uh, We Were Children. This is um, promoted by the or produced by the National Film Board of Canada. So you can access it there. But there's another movie that came out uh, just within the last few months called Indian Horse. And um, it's a beautiful um, story. Oh, my God. Did I get that name right? Let me just do a quick Google of that. Yeah, it is right. Okay, good. <laughs> the way that that is not here. something I want to get wrong. I, mean, no. I went to see it, but I might get it wrong. It was originally a book. They've made it into a movie. I saw the movie. I have not read the book yet. I need to read the book. And it was a very powerful firsthand account of a child who grew up in residential schools and then was able to uh, get out through his talents in hockey. So it's, a, it's an eminently Canadian story, mm -hmm. and it's important. Again, a, a real firsthand account of um, the barriers that, uh, that exist even when you've got significant talent, even when you've got people that are opening doors for you, the, the, the things that can still hold you down. And these things are still present today. And if we don't mm -hmm. look at it face on, we're going to perpetuate it because it's a systemic thing. <laughs> well, there's something really wonderful about hearing um, stories from First Nations and Inuit cultures in, in their voices. Because it's, it isn't good enough, although it may be well-meaning, for uh, the settler community um, to write about the same things. But we come at it not just with a different viewpoint, but with a different voice. Um, because one of the things that I found in all my interactions with First Nations people is that their voice is very different from mine. It 
it, it is the 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 pace of it, the 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 choice of language, the uh, the timing of it. There's so many nuances that make it different from our voice um, or our voices. And and that's important. It's it's good. It's good. I I believe that all differences are good. Um, and and I I it feels particularly important to emphasize uh, that we cannot tell one another's stories in the same way as we can tell our own in our own voice. So that's why I particularly like documentaries that are being made um, by people about their own cultures. Mm-hmm their own histories and what's been passed down through their families. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting to see diff- in different parts of the country because I grew up on the East Coast. So our um, First Nations were different than they are here on the West Coast where we have the show. And uh, and so different. It's it's like different countries. It it, it actually is different countries. It's different, it is different, different nations. nations. Yes, I sent a tweet out yeah. a little while ago that was ta- that, that maps out the tribes, the tribal nations yeah. across North America. Across North America, yeah. there's a person who yeah. who ma- who makes maps of these. Yes, right, and yeah. and whew. and when it crosses the border, so it doesn't matter yeah. where our border is. Canada and the United States arbitrarily set their border along the 49th parallel. They you know there there are first nations who are divided by that 49th parallel mm-hmm. because their traditional territories were were different um and it's really interesting i always find to to look at the the world from the air because you can see the borders between countries cut in great swaths through the trees but they're arbitrary yeah. and it's that's not where people just naturally settled Originally, which would have been around um, harbors and bodies of water and um, natural geographic formations, um, when when uh, we had the national um, radio, it was the national uh, I can't NCRA conference, which is the National Community Radio Association. Campus and Community Radio Association was in Ottawa a couple of years ago, and the conference was opened by um, one of the people, uh, um, an elder woman from that community. And she talked about how the four rivers come together in Ottawa, which is why the Native people were there, because it gathered in the peoples from those four rivers, because people traveled along the rivers to get to meeting points. And that is such a natural thing for all human beings to do. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter where we're situated. Uh, And it really um, laughs in the face of all these arbitrary borders that we set up around the world that are really invisible from outer space. Um, we're we naturally follow Mother Earth. Yeah, and uh, it's making me think too about um, how much wisdom and wealth there is to discover for us now by going to the stewards of this land. Um, I just pulled up a quick link. I know that there are many of these things that exist. I have not personally done them yet, except for in small, small mm-hmm. uh, pockets where I've gone to. I went to a camp potlatch where there was uh, being run by First Nations, and they were doing a walk through the forest and naming uh, 
uh, trees and medicinal properties and things like this. Yes, yeah, so yeah. there's um, there's one that takes place in Stanley Park. It's called the First Nations Interpretive Walking Tour. Mm-hmm. So they're giving some oral history of traditions of the land, of plants, um, animals, etc. But again, if we are to perceive and acknowledge these are the original stewards of the land, what wisdom do they carry? Can we c- create space, support them, um, make way, <laughs> make may way, make way, make way, listen to the stories so that we can learn more about where we are? And it may be our salvation because we've done so much to cultivate the planet instead of leaving it in its natural state. Um, and I think part of how we're going to make our way forward on this planet is by going back to the planet herself and and honoring what grows where and how and and how we can use all of those things as natural medicine so that we're not so reliant on um, chemical or pharmaceutical medicine. Uh, so they, I think we're we're having we're we're engaged now in a journey back to ourselves and back to the planet. And I think the First Nations people and the Inuit are in a in a wonderful position to be able to um, facilitate that for all of us, for themselves mm-hmm. as well, because m- many of their um, culture have forgotten these things as well, because we've done such a great job of stomping them out. Mm-hmm. Something else that has recently uh, launched. Or um, I don't know if launched is the correct word, but it deepened mm-hmm. um, out of the University of Victoria. There is an Indigenous law degree, mm-hmm. and uh, I can remember stumbling across. I'm going to have to do some hunting for the links to this, mm-hmm. but it was a book that was um, that was written that sought to uh, share, I think, like all, all of the oral law teachings Mm. of various wouldn't have been all of the first nations but several Mm. first nations Mm. and ooh, what what gems are waiting to be discovered yes yeah in these traditional teachings and Mm. methods of organizing society and community and holding people accountable Mm. which we could probably learn a lot from well there's a there's a um and we talk about the masculine and the feminine on the planet or the yin and the yang, the, the difference between what we do with our heads and what we do with our hearts. Um, and if we can acknowledge that, that the earth is feminine, um, then the um, First Nations are in, in better, perhaps more recent contact with the wisdom of the earth and with... Um, the non non-linear, non-spatial, non-temporal ways of dealing with um, humanity on the planet, and so when we start taking a look at uh, native law, we're we're looking more at um, healing as opposed to just punishment. And I th- and I think that it's going to be uh, even even as this comes back to us again as we begin to um, re-acknowledge. All of all of those teachings, I think we're we're as a planet moving ahead. So we will start to um, have conversations with one another about what is valuable to bring forward and what can be combined 
with what other wisdom from other places on the planet that we were not able to do because we couldn't we didn't have the transportation in in, in the days when all of this came from that we can now com- we can start um and also we didn't combining. have the respect we're yeah. so invested yeah. in being yeah. the right or the 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 or the, the most powerful or the, the most, most in control. Civilized. Or, yeah. Whatever. I, yeah. a civilization does not look like civilization. No. Um, we'll come to a, a new understanding of it, I, I believe. So. And, and this is going to be a big part of it. There's another song I'd like to pop over into. So this is done by the Nui Jinan Artists. These are uh, a group of, of teens out of Garden Hill, Manitoba. Mm-hmm. I first came across the song that we're going to play, which is called Help You See, um, in relation to um, some of the Red Cross work I was doing in some various uh, First Nations communities. And I've since discovered that this group of teens is making, my, they're making so much music and it's mm-hmm. fantastic. So I'm going to send a link out and, and like hunt them down, listen to more of what these kids are doing. Um, but their messages are powerful. And they so are. This is an introduction mm-hmm. for, for all the other work that they're doing yes, at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. But if we want to talk about healing that is, be, that is coming from within. And, mm-hmm. and if we want to, 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 support financially emotionally energetically um with our words every way possible these these self-led self-directed um therefore deeply rooted in traditions and culture and wisdom of mm-hmm. of what they need mm-hmm. this is this is well, some right here let's listen to this way <laughs> Jinan artists help you see you know that feeling when you just need something to bring you up Find the light. Open your eyes and see who you are. I need the 
education and time take a rest I need appreciation, strive for the best And do it for my nation, I wanna stay blessed and feel so great Go work a dream, don't give up, let's choose to live Cause they got no change, God in hell is silent Depression with no opportunity Dug a little deeper to find what was true to me Found my vision inside what the future sees Taking this chance through expression Walking the past I was destined Music has given me hope Every inch of my soul has me counting my blessings, yeah You're listening to CJSF 90.1 FM. Welcome back to Essential Conversations with your hosts, Luca and Rebecca. Uh, we are broadcasting from unceded Coast Salish territory of the Musqueam, the Salish, and the Tsleil-Waututh uh, nations. And we are taking time today to, to honor, to show respect, to give shout-outs, to celebrate the, the tenacity, the creativity, the determination of... First Nations of this land, the Inuit of this land. Uh, we were just listening to Nui Janan artists who were singing Help You See. They come out of Garden Hill, Manitoba. They've got, they've made a lot of songs. What I was so, what I loved so much when I first uh, encountered that video was, that song in the video, um, was how th- all of those kids singing the song reminded me like of the ones that have sat in classrooms with me. And they're just they're just kids. They're just mm-hmm. kids. They're getting together. To, they're creating something. They're they're speaking words of hope to each other, to us, and and outside of their nation. And this is what needs amplification. There are so many communities that are so hurting, and it is it is right now the legacy of the last couple hundred of years or longer of colonialism is pain generations worth of pain sewn into families that have been torn apart torn from their traditions torn from their culture uh, their um from their land from from their land as well mm-hmm. and i mean many places in canada without even the the things that are included as basic human rights mm-hmm. in the you know 
by the United Nations, no running water, no um, regular access to education, um, <coughs> houses that are falling apart, um, sanitation, you know, non-existent, and the, the rates of suicide in, in these communities and beyond. And suicide comes from lack of hope. Yes. A lack of hope, a lack of any ability to see that this could change. And it must change, mm-hmm. and we must be lending our voices to this, mm-hmm. and our and our and our movements, and our actions, and our political power to make, mm-hmm. to put behind the people who will who will make these changes, mm-hmm. and to amplify the voices that spring from those communities who are telling us what they need, rather and than us telling yeah, them. This what has we to think happen in need. collaboration. It isn't just their responsibility. Um, because we are a Canadian culture now, and w- that means that what affects them affects us. And yeah. and so... Th- it's some solidarity. It, it, Let's show some yeah. solidarity. If we created this, yeah. we need to show some solidarity, but also yeah. get out of the way. Because yeah. I think a lot of the... This is not about... It's not about us superimposing what we think they ought to need. Or swooping um, in like saviors, no. we made this mess. Thanks yeah. very much. We need to get our hands off of this, but we yes. need to be yes. um, absolutely funneling mm-hmm. funds and and energy and effort and upraising and attention the voices and space. Yes. We need to give them space in which to speak and convey their own message. So. To do that, we have to go hunting because our media does not. I mean, the little blurb that played there, the uh, Indigenous Alternative Media um, PSA that played after the song, spoke truly. These voices are not heard in mainstream media. We must yeah. go hunting for them. Well, I it is ha- and, on and, us. and I have to say that um, alternative radio like this, campus and community radio, um, is is at the forefront. Uh, we can do more, even. But we are at the forefront because our mandate is to make space for marginalized voices. Mm-hmm. And um, anybody who may be listening who is First Nations or Inuit background, I know that CJSF would love to have more hosts, more yes. programmers that are doing more material. And more, more music, more radio yeah. drama, more anything that you want comes to promote your voices. from these communities. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can reach out. Uh, hey, you can reach out to us if, you, yes. if you're curious We're about getting. Yeah, we will happily Yeah, we will support you in that. Okay. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, let me see. What, what would I like to fast? do? I know that went way, way too fast. You know, mm-hmm. I want to take this last minute to give thanks to the people that I witness who are doing everything in their power within their sphere Mm -hmm. to actively engage in healing and to speak their stories even Mm. when they are not being listened to, to continue speaking and speaking and speaking. And to heal themselves first and foremost and then also reaching out into healing their communities. I know a lot of people who who have struggled and are struggling still to heal themselves. Um, and because that's part of healing the community. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Yeah. It's yeah. all so very important. Mm. Um, I want, you know, to those people, um, I see you. I honor you. Mm. I we hear am so you also. thankful for your mm. presence. I want to support you. 
uh, I'm speaking for myself, but I'm also speaking for mm-hmm. probably a lot of other people who would who would come alongside. Yeah. Um, we will amplify you. We'll be doing everything that we can. If you know of somebody that you would like to have sit in our interview seat, that is a First Nations voice, that is an Inuit voice, that they are creating something, they are uh, they are engaged in something, and you want it to go farther, mm-hmm. please contact us. We have a page on our website um, where you can uh, um, suggest. A, ge- a potential guest for us on our show mm-hmm. and we would love to get in contact with them just say mm-hmm. their names to us and we will follow up with it fantastic we are out of time so i wonder what's around the corner essential conversations is brought to you courtesy of luca Halex, power sorcerer and rebecca mears certified coach increase your awareness expand your options empower yourself luca can be reached at www.lucahalex.com I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Happy, 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 happy,